What is going on, guys? Welcome back to the Kentucky Connection Pod. We are here for episode four. We got my boy Laren. He got his webcam this time, uh, so we're fully set up here. How you doing, man? Doing pretty good. How about you? Doing all right, man. I'm I'm excited. You know, the pod's been going really well so far. We've got solid viewership. Um, I've gotten some DMs. People tell me they've enjoyed it. So, um, you know, I'm I'm glad we got this going. I'm I'm glad this is uh you know I think this is the fourth day in a row that we'll have an episode going up. So I think that's that's really nice. So, um, yeah. So today we've got a selection of topics to talk about. Um, mostly going to be talking about some of Kentucky's pros. We're going to talk about the Kentucky players in the NBA, kind of recap their seasons. Um, some of the, some of the names to talk about there. We're going to talk about some of the Kentucky players in the NFL and our draftees going into the NFL this year. And we're going to talk a little bit about Ryan Howard and how she's been playing in the NBA. And we're going to round it out with listing our top five UK women's basketball players of all time. So to start off this uh, podcast episode, we're going to be talking about the UK players in the NBA. Um, you know, we're, we're known for having those superstars, have, putting those great players in the league. I think we still have the most all-stars of any school. Um, so, you know, what do you think about some of the guys who've been in the league for us this year and, and kind of what they've been doing? So Devin Booker, he's a baller, averaged 27 this year. Um, and then you got Hero, most improved. Bam, he's like he was a more of a traditional big at Kentucky and in the NBA. He's like all around defense, offense. He can do it all. So I mean, just those three alone. Not to mention Shea, who went from the Clippers to the uh, Thunder. He's a franchise point guard in my opinion. So just those four alone. Not even to mention Towns. Cousins is trying to make a comeback, it looks like, Boston. So there's a bunch to talk right. about. Yeah, uh, Devin Booker, you know, was a, an MVP candidate at one point this year, I think towards the end of the year. You know, if you're the best player on the team with the best uh, record in the NBA, you're going to be looked at as one of the better players. I think he's a surefire top ten player in the league at this point, um, and he's just only going to continue to get better. Um, and then, like you said, Tyler Hero won sixth man of the year. You know, that was uh, – a um, you know, I think everyone could see that coming. He had actually statistically one of the best years ever for a six man. I mean, 21 points, four boards, five assists off the bench for, for a six man is crazy. Um, so just those two guys alone, you know, it, we're having a lot of success with those scoring guards. Um, you know, maybe Ty Ty and Shaden can take take that step to be similar players. Um and then, yeah, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, he's he's going to be the guy in OKC that they're going to build around for a while now. Um, you know, they I think they landed the number two pick in the draft in the lottery last night. Yeah. Um, so they're going to add 14, more. actually. Two and 14? Yep. So they add – they're going to be able to add a lot of talent around him um, because, you know, they need to build around Shea. I think they know he's their best player. Um, so, yeah, and I wanted to touch a little bit on De'Aaron Fox because he had such a good season, um, especially after they traded Tyrese Halliburton uh, in, with the Kings, but it seems like he's kind of wasting away in Sacramento a little bit. It kind of seems like that's just not where he needs to be. No, see, um, King, er, uh, Fox averaged 23, 4, and 6 this year. If you're doing that in Sacramento, I mean, he has to get out of there. He has to go somewhere else. I don't know what team that would be where he could fit in, but he just needs better players around him. That's how I honestly feel. Um, as a career, twenty four and six. So he, I, he signed a max extension, didn't he? Or, mm -hmm. Yeah. So he is a franchise point guard as well. He just needs to find a team that he can actually fit in and actually win on. 
Yeah, absolutely. I agree. And, you know, you look at the Kings, they're arguably the most incompetent franchise in the NBA. Like they always seem to make a mistake with their drafting. You know, we were talking a little bit earlier about how they drafted Marvin Bagley in that loaded class. You know, they could have had Luka Doncic. They could have had Jaron Jackson. They could have had uh, Trey Young. And instead they landed Marvin Bagley, who's not even on the team anymore. So um, and then they drafted, uh, you know, Tyrese Halliburton, who's another point guard. And then last season they drafted Davion Mitchell, who's another point guard. So they just load the roster with a bunch of point guards. And then they're like, whoa, why are we not winning? It's because you don't know how to draft and nobody wants to play for you. So, yeah, he's he's got to get out of there uh, for the good of his career because Boogie, Boogie had a similar situation. He was an absolute superstar in Sacramento, but they didn't give him any winning formula. And he ended up. You know, he had put up good numbers, but he really doesn't have much of a legacy to speak of because he wasted his prime years in Sacramento. So we got to get De'Aaron out of there. Yeah, you see, Boogie, once he left the Sacramento, didn't he go to the Pelicans? And then he he went to uh, the Nuggets this year, I think. Well, he yeah, he went to the Pelicans, and I remember that was that front court with Anthony Davis, and they were both, like, in their prime just putting up crazy numbers. And then he got hurt, um, and then I think he went to the Warriors – and then he was with the Warriors for a little bit, got hurt again. Um, and then he went to the Lakers for a little bit. He was on like a 10-day contract last season with the Lakers. They cut him. So he's been kind of floating around since then. And then, yeah, he ended up on the Nuggets this season where it looks like he may have finally found a landing spot. I think they really like him to, to kind of be the relief for Nikola Jokic when Jokic needs to come out. Um, because, yeah, in his, in his bench role this year, Boogie was really solid for them. Yeah, um, I remember watching a few games and Boogie was just dominant. And people on Twitter, they're they're like, "Where's Boogie been the last few years?" I mean, he was injured, but just seeing Boogie leave the Kings, I think Fox would have this not injury wise. Like, he, I think Fox could stay healthy, but at the same time, Fox needs to find a team that he would fit on, sort of like how um, Cousins might have found a role with the Nuggets. Right. Yeah, I think. Maybe even on draft night, um, they the Kings need to move him. Like he doesn't seem like he's complained very much about his role. He doesn't seem to mind that they suck. I think he's cool making his max money, going out there, putting up his stats. Like it doesn't seem like he's too concerned with his situation. But I think as a fan, you definitely want him, uh, you know, out of there. And you mentioned earlier Brandon Boston, and I think that he was he was kind of a surprise you know he he was a top five recruit coming into Kentucky obviously we he struggled and the rest of the team struggled you know there's the reports came out about a lingering wrist issue he had on his shooting arm uh his whole season at UK which might have led to him struggling a bit but uh he played sparingly for the Clippers this year and actually played pretty well do you do you have his stats uh for this season um so his stats in the NBA for when he played for the Clippers actual franchise, not the G League, um, was just seven two one. So I mean, not bad. Not bad. But, I mean, but in the G League, wasn't he dropping like thirty and forty and fifty bombs left? Yeah, and right? I, yeah. I think that I remember seeing the the um, notification come out when he dropped. I think fifty in a G League game, and it's yeah. just like everyone always has known he's a pure scorer. He even showed flashes of that at UK. But I think people wrote him off as a bum because he had a bad season at UK. Everyone did, you know? And so I think it was interesting to see him. I was very happy for him. You know, I, I love BJ. I think if it's true that he was playing through that injury, you know, he, he kind of killed his draft stock for the good of the, of the 
team. You know, he wanted to play. He wanted to be out there and he played through an injury and he knew he was playing bad, but he didn't give up. He played the whole season. And I think that's very admirable from BJ and he didn't really say anything about it and nobody really cleared up the air. So I think he kind of took a lot of abuse from Kentucky fans about how bad he was, but I really do think he kind of sacrificed a lot for us. So I hope he has a great NBA career. It looks like the the Clippers really like him as a young piece uh, to develop. I mean, yeah, if you got Boston, what is he, a two, three guard? Yeah, he's a wing. Yeah, wing. So, I mean, you got him on the Clippers. I just feel like Boston is a piece to build around. You know, he's tall, lengthy. He's definitely someone that can get a bucket. I mean, you've seen the hook shots he had this year where he was like, someone's coming down to block it, and he just laid it up over them. It nearly hit the top of the backboard and fall in. So, I mean, mm-hmm. you can score on all three levels. Um but speaking of the Kentucky team, what about Isaiah Jackson? Yeah, that was going to be my next my next uh, point about Isaiah because he was great for the Pacers, specifically in the second half of the season. In the first half of the season, uh, you know, he wasn't playing that much. He he actually got hurt for a little bit. Uh, but towards the end of the season, they actually started playing him, especially after they traded Sabonis to the Kings. Um, he got a lot more minutes, and dude, he like. I don't know what his per 36 minutes are or what his per 36 stats are, but the guy was blocking. Like every time I checked the Pacers box score, he had like two or three blocks every single game. Um, And he's a little unpolished offensively, but I think Isaiah has got a very bright future, especially on the defensive end. Yeah, he is. He's a bit raw offensively. Defensively, he's a force. Um, But offensively, the first game of the year, his one and only season at Kentucky, he hit that one mid range. I thought maybe after that it might blossom, but I mean, it just didn't happen at Kentucky. Hopefully in the NBA he can get that to play out. If he can develop an offensive game in the NBA, I think Isaiah's a great piece to potentially build around in the future. No, I agree. The presence. I agree. I mean, I, honestly, he was probably the second best player on last year's Kentucky team. It was him and Davion Mintz were really the only positives on that squad. So, uh, you know, I, I, w- I knew he was going to be solid. Um, he, he's a freak athlete. He's super tall, long, broad shoulders. Uh, he's actually like pretty built now. He put on a lot of weight after he left UK. So um, I, I was able to catch a couple Pacers games and he's just people are scared to lay the ball up around him. When, when people are scared of a rookie when it comes to shot blocking, all he's going to do is get better on that side of the ball. So I really do think he might end up being one of the best shot blockers in the NBA when it's all said and done. So I'm excited to see how Isaiah's career goes. Yeah, Isaiah's he um he was if I remember correctly, wasn't he like an Alabama lean and then came to Kentucky? I think so, yeah. And then like once he committed to Kentucky, I watched the highlights and I instantly like just like fell in love with the dude. Like he can do it, he could do it all in high school. Mm-hmm. But um if he can put it all together in the NBA, I like where he can go. Yeah, I agree. And then you mentioned Carl Towns, you know, finally Minnesota got back to the playoffs. You know, they're building really nicely around him. And another guy on that team, Jared Vanderbilt, he actually played so well this year that they gave him an extension for, I think it was a three-year extension for like 18 or $20 million or something. So he got a nice, he got a nice little push, um, nice little extension from the, from the Timberwolves. So I like the Timberwolves if I had to pick, you know, like, a team that I, I do enjoy watching, you know, the Timberwolves would be up there. Um, Carl is still their best player. Anthony Edwards is kind of, you know, starting to maybe challenge him for being the best player on the team. But, um, you know, Carl is easily like a top three or four big man in the NBA right now. And so uh, him and Jared Vanderbilt on that team, I love watching them. If you look at that uh, Timberwolves roster, um, isn't Jalen McDaniels on that team too? Yeah, Jaden McDaniels is on that team. Jaylen. 
So uh, Jaden and Anthony Edwards were both considered Kentucky leans at one point. So mm-hmm. it, you could have four people from Kentucky making basically the starting lineup for an NBA franchise. And uh, D'Angelo Russell was from Kentucky. He's from Louisville. So Louisville, uh, he ended up. Yeah, he ended up at Ohio State, but yeah, that's that's a fun team to root for, I think. And um, you know, I'm glad to see Carl. I, I I do want to touch on this with Carl a little bit. His whole career, people have been accusing him of being soft. People have been accusing him of being weak. He's gone through so much lately, so much tr- personal tragedy and everything. And this season, it seemed like he just had a different edge to him, and he kind of got clowned for it on the internet. People calling him a fake tough guy and stuff. But I really think Carl has been through so much, and he's realized that if he wants to take that next step as a player. He's going to have to get that competitive edge, that trash talking. I mean, every NBA star talks trash, but now that Carl's doing it, they're like, oh, it's corny. He's he's a fake tough guy and stuff. So, you know, what do you think about him getting that edge to him this season and, and you know, kind of the discussion around him on the Internet? So, I mean, at Kentucky, when he was at Kentucky, we were like 38-0. and So, I mean, when you're undefeated, you're going to have that competitiveness. But it just felt like he hit that shot against LSU and then uh, to win the game in Baton Rouge that year. And then uh, Wisconsin, all we had to do was give him the ball, and he was laying it up every time. If he had that kind of, like, competitiveness and that grit again, I just – I feel like he could – I mean, he almost already is a franchise player. But I feel like he could just take it to the next level, be like an all-star. So Yeah, no, I agree. I think him taking that next step mentally, you know – there was the whole situation with Jimmy Butler, you know, calling him soft and I mean, not to mention he lost his mother to COVID. Yeah. He lost his mother to COVID. I think he lost like three or four family members to COVID. Actually it wasn't, it was his mom. And then like, I think I don't want to, I don't want to say it cause I don't know the exact exactly who it was, but I know he lost multiple people to COVID and he, he was going through some injury issues and, um, you know, he was definitely going through it for a time there. Like the past year has been really tough on Carl Anthony towns and I'm just proud of, seeing him push through that he's still a really positive guy but in the in game he was starting to like start talking trash and and kind of like he was starting to kind of you know not be afraid it seemed like he was not afraid to impose his will so i hope he can continue to improve and continue to be gritty um was there any other players to touch on i know we touched on tyler one six man of the year bam out of bio uh is arguably the best defensive big man in the nba overall you know he can switch on all five positions he's a great shot blocker he's good in the paint he's good on the perimeter and then he is starting to figure his offensive game out is there anybody else uh to touch on not that i can think of I'm trying to think yeah i don't know i mean there's so many players that it's kind of hard to keep up with all of them you know we've just got so many I know Kevin Knox didn't really get an opportunity to play this year there's kind of a a concern I would say that he might not have much longer in the league uh, which is unfortunate because it seemed like every time he got to play this year he played well but it's like he just didn't get any minutes Julius Randle for the for the Knicks Emmanuel quickly you know both of those guys uh did really well for the Knicks this year I know Randle kind of had a drop-off year compared to last year I think he was an all-star last year this year he didn't play quite as well um Quickly didn't really take as big of a jump statistically as I thought he would. He kind of played similar to – like statistically similar to last year. Um, so we'll see how his career pans out. And then I can't believe we forgot about Tyrese Maxey and what he's doing with Tyrese Maxey. Yeah, man. He's, uh, he's balling for Philly. And he's – honestly, if I was a Philly fan, I would take him over James Harden any day of the week for the future of that, that team. Because when you look at it, uh, 
Didn't Tyrese – he got into it with Harden on the sideline the other day in one of their last games. Yeah, he was He was mad at – he. Tyrese was mad at Harden for not playing well. Right. And it's like that's a second-year player talking to a, an NBA Hall of Famer. Like, why are you not playing better? So, I, bro, Tyrese's mentality and just the way he's improved is, is crazy. Yeah, personally, I love watching Tyrese. Um, I think that they need to build around him. Uh, James Harden – just don't know what it is, but I don't think he'll get the job done in Philly. Mm-mm. No, so, he's, his peak is over. He, his his Houston James Harden is never coming back. The so. last few years of his career in Houston was peak James Harden. Yeah, that's that that version of himself is not coming back. And even then, he's always been a, a kind of a playoff choker. And it doesn't seem like Tyrese has the mentality of a guy who's going to disappear in the playoffs. He, he, in fact, I think he played better in the playoffs. He averaged like twenty plus in the playoffs because. He relishes that opportunity. He relishes the competitiveness, and he wants to win. So Tyrese Maxey and Joel Embiid, you know, keep those two guys and figure out the rest of that roster. But I know there's the question of, is James Harden going to get that max extension from Philly this offseason? I just don't think they should do that. I, I don't think he should get it either. So I just think there's way more pieces they could get around Maxey and Embiid and build that team into a legit team. Mm-hmm. There's just so much money there that can go to those other pieces than paying James Harden, who I think is at like a C, C minus right now. Yeah. Well, and you can, you know, look around the league at some some of these other Kentucky players who are still trying to figure out their role. PJ Washington uh, for the Hornets, it's kind of like up in the air. What is he for that team? They played him at a small ball five for a little bit this year because they didn't really have any fives to play. And then, like, Miles Bridges took his spot as the power forward, so he came off the bench a little bit. So it's like, I thought after PJ's rookie season that he was going to be, you know, not a superstar, but a really good uh, high-impact player, you know, maybe like 17 points, seven boards a game, a couple blocks or a block a game. Um, And it just doesn't seem like he's really taking that development uh, with the Hornets. It would – it's going to, I guess, hurt me to say this. I think that obviously we've seen the impact Grant Williams had. Mm -hmm. I feel like they're a little bit in the same – boat like body wise and position wise yeah i feel like pj needs to be the same like plug and play type player that grant williams can be yeah absolutely just kind of a gritty um you know good on defense knocks down open shots you know sets hard screens i think that's actually a great that's a great uh thing you know to say i think that's a good comparison i think i think pj is more talented than grant i think he's just a better i think he has a better feel overall and i think he can be better statistically but i do think that's the role he might end up sliding into um which is unfortunate as a former lottery pick you kind of want him to be a little bit more than that but i do think that worst case scenario for pj he ends up being a long term nba you know be- good bench piece or a solid starter um, you know, I still think he's good enough to stay in the league, but I also think PJ might be getting hurt a little bit by this drama that he's got in his personal life. The, the, what's her yeah. name? Brittany, Brittany Renner, right? Yeah. Brittany Renner drama. You know, the fact that she had a kid from him and then immediately divorced him and started getting all those child support payments from him. And it's obvious that she did it on purpose. And it's like, if you pay attention to his Twitter account, it's obviously affecting him mentally. 
Yeah, he tweets about it. He tweets about mm-hmm. that situation. That happened almost a year ago, and it's, he's still talking about it. So mm-hmm. I think the, we don't talk enough about the mental side of things from these guys, and this is why these players should just not get involved with these Instagram models and these, you know, these high-profile, you know, celebrity whatever. It's like, I mean, Booker's doing it with – I think he's with Kendall Jenner, and it's just like and yeah. that doesn't seem to be hurting him. But, you know, it's just I don't understand that whole thing. You know, I just feel like that that's just too much of a distraction if you want to be an elite player but um yeah so hopefully pj gets that figured out because i do think he's got the potential and i had another guy in mind uh malik monk had a really nice year with the lakers on that one-year deal he's coming into free agency what do you I, think? Can't I forgot him i put him in my top five of favorite right <laughs> jamal murray didn't play this year because of his injury you know there's like uh, there's just so many names it's hard to remember right off the top of our head but yeah malik monk had a really decent year i mean the lakers sucked this year they didn't even make the playoffs i don't know how you have lebron and ad and russell westbrook and he missed the playoffs but you know they found a way to do that but malik monk was not part of the problem you know he was he was really solid he had yeah, a career he fire. so where i mean he's he's coming up on a on a contract year you know i think he played his way into getting a decent you know maybe like a 10 million a year contract so do you have any like landing spots for him cuz personally if De'Aaron Fox is going to stay in Sacramento i would love to see Malik team up with him again in Sacramento i think that'd be cool see so like the cav i would a year ago two years ago i would have said the cavs but they obviously building around Sexton and Garland and all that um potential landing spots I couldn't tell you really. Yeah. I just I think that if Monk and Fox team up again, I think that they could make a franchise turn around. Yeah, I, I think so too. And I think that, you know, I, I don't know if Malik is a, ever going to be an all-star or a borderline all-star, but I could just imagine watching Fox and Monk in the backcourt together again because that's my favorite UK team is the Fox-Monk team. Like that was my favorite team to watch. So, oh man, seeing those guys side by side again would be so awesome. And I know I sent you that video on TikTok of a uh, Briscoe cooking oh, yeah. that dude. Yeah. Imagine like Fox and Monk in the backcourt, and then Briscoe potentially coming off the bench as a point guard instead of how Cal had to play him off the ball. Because mm-hmm. wasn't Briscoe the number one point guard coming out of high school? Number one point guard, top ten recruit. Yeah. I mean, if you can get him in a true position, like a one, sometimes two. Obviously, in the NBA, you got to be positionless. But I feel like if you can put Briscoe at the one. And then have him backing up Fox and then Monk at the two. I feel like that trio of Kentucky guards could potentially get it done. Yeah, and then you got Sabonis down low. You know, that's the makings of of a solid team. And, you know, Davion Mitchell was playing pretty well for the Kings towards the end of the season. He could be a good, good backup guard. So uh, you know, the Kings might have a bright future. They just got to make some good moves. And I do think that the the uh, the Malik Monk thing makes sense. He already lives in California right now because he's in L.A., so it's not that much of a move. He gets to team up with his college point guard. So that that's what makes the most sense for me. Maybe he returns to the Lakers. I don't know, but I would love to see him go to Sacramento with De'Aaron. So now that we've kind of talked about the guys in the NBA, I want to kind of just touch on our prospects that we have entering this draft. You've got Ty Ty, you've got Shaden Sharp, um, and then, you know, Kellen Grady might have a chance to go second round. And then, uh, you know, how do you feel about those guys and, and where they might go and where they might fit? Personally, um, Shaden's stock has been up and down because he hasn't played really since high school. But I feel like Shaden – I want him to come back. But he's going he's gonna to go top ten, I feel like. Yeah. Just what he, what he measured and what he can do. Granted, he hasn't played game action in like a year and a half or a year. But um, I feel like Shaden will go top ten. 
And then Ty Ty Washington, I've seen a report today where he could either go to the Wizards, I think you have the 14th pick possibly, and then the Knicks who have the 11th. I think those are the most two likely landing spots. Mm-hmm. And I could see Ty Ty going to either of those teams. But what shock, or what is shocking me is Kellen Grady at this G League. No, is it the G League? Yeah, the G League uh, camp invite. Yeah. The G League camp invite. I mean, you see uh, – forgot who it was, some big name in uh, college ball last year. He blocked a shot, and then they ran the length of the court. They dotted Kellen in the corner, and Kellen drained the three. I just feel like if Kellen can become that spot-up shooter or even if he can create his own shot, I think he'll go second round or definitely get signed as an undrafted free agent. Yeah, with Kellen, it's it's very obvious that he's got the scoring potential of an NBA player. You know, there um, we had a conversation. I had a conversation with uh, Hardwood Trash Talk yesterday on the pod about how if he can, like, there's a premium on shooting in the NBA. Like, they all these teams want shooters, and Kellen is a shooter, but he's also, you know, before he came to Kentucky at Davidson, he was a shot creator. He wasn't just a spot up three point shooter like he was at UK. So I think he's got a little more to his offensive game than maybe we saw at. You know, we we know Coach Cal's kind of famous for kind of limiting his guys a little bit and kind of just making them fill roles instead of letting them do whatever they want. So I think Kellen's got a little bit more offensively than we saw at Kentucky. And then I mentioned to you earlier about how like the Heat have like um, Gabe Vincent and Max Struess and Duncan Robinson are all three undrafted guys who play minutes for the heat because they're great shooters. And I think that that's something similar that could happen for Kellen, but you mentioned uh, Ty Ty and out of those two places, the Knicks and the the wizards in the lottery, I would like to see him go to the Knicks just to team up with Emmanuel quickly and um, Julius Randall. Like I would love to see that, but I do think the better landing spot for him is the Wizards because they've got a nice squad. You know, Bradley Beal seems pretty set on staying there. So if you have a backcourt of Ty Ty at the point, Bradley Beal at the two, they've got Porzingis down low. They've got Kyle Kuzma at the four. That's his team right there. They got a young wing in Dini Avdija. Like that's that could be a squad right there. So I think the Wizards is a perfect landing spot for him. It still makes him go lottery, and he gets to run the pure point alongside an NBA superstar and a couple other really good players. So that's kind of where I hope he ends up. I think the Wizards is a perfect place for Ty Ty. Yeah, personally, um, I've seen – there was one more BBN, I think. He did his lottery, and he didn't have Ty Ty in the lottery, I don't think, if I remember seeing that list correctly. I just don't see how you don't have Ty Ty in the lottery. I mean, he can create his own shot. He's good from three. We've seen that at Kentucky. So Ty Ty, I think the lottery is the top 13 picks. So I think Ty Ty should definitely go in the lottery. I just, it's going to be towards the lower end just because this class seems to be loaded all of a sudden right at the deadline. Yeah, but I do think, I would say other than Shaden and Jaden Ivey, I think Ty Ty is the best guard in the class. I'd say he's the third best guard in the class behind Shaden Sharp and, and uh, Jaden Ivey. Like, I just don't – I don't really know. Like, the only other names are, like, what, Kennedy Chandler. Ty Ty's better than Kennedy Chandler, and he projects, yeah. to be a, he projects to be a better pro than Kennedy Chandler too. So, I think Ty Ty is the third best guard in this draft. You know, there's a lot of bigs in this draft, obviously, but – I would take Ty Ty over like a Johnny Davis, to be honest. I think he, he has a lot more upside than than like a guy like Johnny Davis. Yeah, Ty Ty was playing out of his mind at Kentucky, and then uh, it was it was a Florida game. Was it at Florida? We got hurt. Yeah, well, he actually he got hurt first against Auburn, and then he came back for like two games, then got hurt again at Florida. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah I mean, uh, he re injured himself twice. 
Yeah, if he can stay healthy, it's funny that Florida game. Every time that dude touched the ball, the crowd booed him. Yeah, because I mean, look, I personally, after I saw the replay, I didn't think it was intentional. I think he was diving for the ball. Uh, but you know, it, I think the fans were just so frustrated at that point. At just they're frustrated because the fact that our starting our top three guards were banged up. Yeah, and it's like Ty Ty just got back, and now he's hurt again. And it's just like, man, last season was so frustrating in so many ways. But I think I agree with you. I think Ty Ty is incredibly good. I think he's underrated because of that injury. I think his stock kind of slipped a little bit. I think he's a pure point guard. We played him out of position. He's a point guard. He's not a two. So, um, you know, against Georgia, he had 17 assists when he got to play point guard. I was about to mention that. Yeah, so he he got he had 17 assists when he was allowed to play point guard. Every time he ran the point, it seemed like we were a little bit better. Um, so I kind of wish he would have been the primary ball handler. Um, I know I know Coach Cal liked what Savir brought to the table, but I just think I just think uh, Ty Ty would have been better. But the other names in the draft are Jacob Toppin, but he's coming back most likely, and then yeah. Keon Brooks is not going to get drafted, but he. He'll probably end up coming back to college and going to another school. I think Iowa and Washington are the leaders for his recruitment right now. So before we move on to the, the NFL topics, um, what do you think about, you know, Keon Brooks? Where do you think that he fits best? And and do you think he even has a future as an NBA player? See, so, I mean, against Kansas, he had 27 and 8. Mm-hmm. And then it was against, I want to say Florida. He was draining middies left and right, draining the mid-range shot. So, I mean, we know Keon can do it all. Well, not all, but we know he can play, like, shoot the shot in the mid-range. He shot a few threes this year, and we know he can rebound. He had eight against Kansas. Uh, but in the NBA, I just don't know if he'll find a role, in my honest opinion. But I think if he comes back to college, you mentioned uh, Washington and what was the other school? Iowa. Iowa. In my honest opinion, just based off the relationship, I think – Indiana would be like his first choice if he had a spot there, but I've not personally seen anything about his recruitment. No, I don't think, I think he released, like he didn't officially release, but there was a, a, you know, an insider who released the teams that are really looking at him. And I think Iowa and Washington were the top two that were like really pushing for him. And I don't even think Indiana was on, I don't even think Indiana was mentioned. So you know, whatever that, whatever the reasoning is behind that, I don't know, but it doesn't seem like Indiana is very interested in Keon. So I mean, last year around this time, if I mean, we know he reached out through back channels. Like it's not, it's not a secret that he was looking at transferring after uh, his sophomore season. Mm-hmm. But um, last year around this time, Indiana would have been the school. Yeah, I, I, that's what I thought when he first entered the portal. I was like, Indiana makes the most sense because that was his. It was us or Indiana coming out of high school. So. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know. Was he committed to them at one point? Uh, no, he had a top three, I think, of Kentucky, Indiana, and Michigan State, or those were three of his top schools. But he ended up choosing us over them too. Hmm. I couldn't. I, I I thought I remembered him being committed, but I guess not. But yeah, no, Keon. I think Keon is one of the. He's, he's an example of a guy who's a solid college player, but I just don't see him being. I just don't think he's consistent enough to be an NBA player. You know, you got to be consistently good. Consi- you have to have a high motor consistently if you want to be good in the NBA. And I just don't know if he has that motor to him because he, he kind of does disappear. It might be Kevin Knox's problem. He doesn't have that that motor that you need. He's got the skill set, just not the motor. Motor's very important. So. I hope Knox can pan out in the NBA because he's now on my team. I'm a Hawks fan. He's mm-hmm. now on my team, and I like I'll be at work or you know in class, and the uh, Hawks Twitter page would tweet out a highlight of Kevin Knox. I mean, it looks like he has the 
obviously he's an athlete. He's bouncy. It just depends on like I think it's a mental game for him if he can put it all together and find a spot. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. And and the mental again, we don't really talk enough about the mental side of things with this basketball stuff. It's like you got to be very mentally strong to be an NBA star. You know, it's simple as that. You got to be consistent. You've got to accept the grind. And some of these guys, they've got the skill set, but they don't accept the grind. Um, So, yeah. But anyway, that is kind of just a recap on the Kentucky players in the NBA and how they've done and kind of like you know, some of the guys that we have going into next year's draft and where we project them to go. So now moving on to recapping the Kentucky players in the NFL. There's a lot less to talk about here, you know, but not for long. It seems like, you know, we're starting to see an uptick in in guys who are going to be representing UK in the NFL. But, um, you know, you got names like Josh Allen, who played a little in, he was a little injured for the Jags last year. Um, so, you know, he's a former top 10 pick for them and he's like the best defensive player in school history at UK. So really hoping that he can get things going over there. Uh, and just a couple other names. You know, how do you feel about some of those guys that we've got in the league and how they played last season? Um, Josh Allen, personally, I, I just love watching him at Kentucky. I mean, you knew in that Penn State game, anytime he went off the edge, it was most likely going to be a pressure or a sack. Mm-hmm. Um, if he can stay healthy, I think he has a long, um, career in the league. I don't know if it'll all be with Jacksonville, but I think he'll be in the league for a while. Um, the one player that I wish, and he did it for the sake of us, but Lynn Bowden, he was just so electric. He had a, a kickoff return or punt return, one of the two, in that game against uh, Iowa. No, Penn State. Yep. Penn State. And so, I mean, I just wish that he can make it work. I mean, he went to the Raiders, and then they just traded him away like almost instantly. Because they tried to make him a running back, like – what? Yeah. Right. No, he's he's a wide receiver. He just had to play quarterback because even though teams knew what was coming that year, they couldn't stop him. No, no. And he, he's got the body and the skill set to be a great NBA or a great NFL receiver. Like it really for him, it's health. It's a health thing. He was on injured reserve for the Dolphins last year, and that's why he didn't play last season. And then apparently in, in early camp right now, he has a hamstring injury that he's dealing with. So yeah. it's just like he's he's a six one you know, really built. We know he's like the most agile guy out there, out there, you know, he's going to make people miss. He's going to run over dudes. He's got good hands. Um, So yeah, I, I just, I pray that he can, he can make it happen because he's so good, dude. Like he's, we know as Kentucky fans, how good he is. There is an opening for him in Miami for him to really contribute, whether it's as a kick returner or what, I don't know, but I hope he finds his way. Um, because I like we've got our defensive players in the NFL, but I want to see the offensive side of things kind of start to take that turn. You know, we've got Wandale going in. You know, Benny Snell is buried on the bench behind Najee Harris in Pittsburgh, but you know he's there. I want to see guys like Wandale, or I want to see guys like Lynn Bowden kind of take that next step, and I, I want to see us represented on the offensive side of the ball, not on the offensive line. <laughs> Yeah, that's a great segue into uh, Wanda Robinson. Um, personally, if he stayed at Nebraska for his junior year, I don't see him being in the NFL. I think he said it himself in an interview. So um, I was going to compare him sort of like to Lynn Bowden. Like, Wandell, I think, is more of like a slot receiver. Mm-hmm. But Wandell, I mean, he's five. They haven't listed at 5'10", but he's like 5'8". He's like 5'8", 5'9". 5'8", 5'9". Just Wandell is the all-around guy. You've seen him lay his body out on the line for us time after time this year. Uh, the one play is against Iowa. It was like a fourth and something, and fourth and eight maybe, and he ha- laid his body out on the line in the middle of three Iowa defenders for that ball. Yep. 
So, I mean, if he can do that and then uh, his yards after catch, I mean, at Kentucky, that was absurd too. Yards mm-hmm. after contact. I just feel like he needs to have a great rookie season and then he might stick. I mean, he's going to stick, but it'll be more known. Yeah, he plays a lot bigger than his size. Like he, I mean, I remember the first game against uh, who was that first game we played? Was it UT Martin or something like that in the UT first Martin. game? Yep. Uh, he had that catch. He had like a cat. It was like one of his first catches. He has the catch, and he's got like three defenders on him. Dude's the smallest guy on the field. And he's like throwing this guy off and fighting the other guy off. And he had like three guys on him and still carried them another almost 10 yards. Like it was incredible. He plays so much bigger than that. He took so much punishment, took so many hits. Uh, everyone knew he was who we were going to throw to, and he still found a way to get open and still found a way to have a have a great career So or a great last season. And I, I agree, if he was at Nebraska, he would not have been a second-round pick, that's for sure. Maybe he would have gotten picked late based off just potential, but he didn't. He wouldn't have been able to show enough to be a, a second-round pick like he was at Kentucky. So um, I don't love the fit for him with the Giants because I don't think they have a good quarterback. You know, they've they've got – a similar player with Kadarius Tony from Florida, who he barely got to do anything for them. Like it, it just doesn't seem like they know how to use guys like that. So I'm not too sure how I feel about uh, Wandale's fit there, but I think he's definitely good enough to make a day one impact. Yeah. Um, there was a player I wanted to Fortner. Where did Fortner end up? The Lions? Jacksonville. Jacksonville. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was last year. Fortner wasn't seen as a draft pick by any means. No, no. And I then mean, he went third round. Which he is... came back this year, and what set it off was the um, the combine. Mm-hmm. The combine and the senior bowl, teams fell in love with him. Yeah. And, and it I... just happened to be Jacksonville that took the chance on him. And I, I think they also like his versatility because he was a tackle for Kentucky for most of his career, and then he switched to center his last year, and that's where things kind of took off for him. I don't think – I think the reason he wasn't an NFL pick is because he's not a great tackle. He's a he's a center. You know, that's he, that was where he should have been. Um, but, of course, we had Drake Jackson, so he wasn't going to play center. They had to move him over to tackle. So, um, you know, having him – he's a big center. I, I think he's a – they just lost their, like, veteran center. He retired or something or he went somewhere else. So he has an opportunity to start day one as Trevor Lawrence center. And I think that that's a great opportunity for him with a talented young quarterback in a, in a program that's trying to rebuild. So I like Fortner's landing spot. Um, I, I know we, we wanted to touch on Darian Kennard falling all the way to the fifth round. Yeah. Uh, he was a guy who I honestly, it, when I did my mock drafts, I had him in round one, like late round one, because I thought he was one of the better tackles in the draft. He fell all the way to the fifth where he landed with the Chiefs, where he's going to have a perfect opportunity to contribute immediately for Patrick Mahomes. So what did you think about that? Well, I mean, last year you seen he was easily like the number one, number two tackle in the draft. Mm-hmm. And then he chose to come back try to better – I mean, he went from – was it left tackle to right tackle this year or tried to go from left tackle yeah, to right tackle? Yeah, he definitely – he made a move. I don't remember exactly what it was. Yeah, and then you seen we got um, Dara Rosenthal, who I think filled in at left tackle, so – or right tackle, one of them. And that's left, I think. Left, so that stuck Darian at the right. Mm-hmm. I mean, I just think Darian – obviously it wasn't intended, but it just hurt him coming back. Yeah, well – and there were some things like he made a comment about like he made a, a controversial comment about COVID and during the uh, the the combine. And, and I think that that might have had something to do with it. That was kind of what people's theories were, because he's so huge and like 
good and he's a great run blocker and a great pass blocker and he's very highly graded and he's got a perfect like he's just a massive human being but he's also very athletic for his size so when you look at him as a at his build you're like how does he fall that far like he's he should be way higher than that so i i think there was a, some other things in play um but i remember seeing a story about uh kansas city offensive lineman named trey smith who fell to the fifth round last year and he started for them this year um so i think that's a similar situation with darian Kennard, and those darian Kennard's the type of guy who's going to be so pissed about falling to the fifth round that he's going to like take it up a notch i think that was actually a good thing for him because now he's like oh okay he's the type of guy who's gonna be like oh you want y'all y'all wanted to pass on me for hundreds of picks all right bet so i think he's gonna i think he's gonna tear i think he's gonna rip some dudes heads off next year yeah he definitely has that chip on his shoulder coming in i just to go from a it was either like early first or late first to fifth round that you know that's on his mental heavy Oh, yeah. He's just going to carry that chip on his shoulder all year long. I think you're going to see countless pancakes after pancakes, highlights after highlights of him just pushing dudes in the dirt after the whistle. Mm -hmm. And you got a he's got a great opportunity with arguably the best quarterback in the NFL, you know, to protect. It's like they want to protect him. So if you're if you're Darian Kennard, you know, the pressure that's there. And I think he's up to the challenge. I think he's the type of guy who's going to be like, okay, I got the best quarterback in the the NFL behind me. I'm going to make sure he doesn't get hit. Um, so I, I really like that fit. I think that was the best thing that could have happened to him because he is going to come with a chip on his shoulder. He's going to play pissed, so I like it. And if you look at the way he changed his body at Kentucky to what he looks like now, I mean, you can tell he'll he'll put the work in. That's yeah. a given. Yeah. And I just think that personally, in my opinion, I think he was a steal in the fifth round. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. He, he might've been, he might end up being the steal of the draft, to be honest. Um, And speaking of guys who are going to put the work in Josh Pascal getting drafted to the Detroit lions, uh, that is a perfect landing spot for him. Their head coach, Dan Campbell is very similar to Mark Stoops and he's like a blue collar lunch pail type guy. And I think that was probably a perfect landing spot for him on a Detroit team that is trying to build. Um, So, you know, what'd you think about that landing spot for Josh and and how do you think that's going to go? I love it for Josh to go from someone who battled cancer to being like a two, three-time captain for Kentucky. I just – he deserved that. And the Lions, I think they're in need of some pass rush right now. And I think Pascal can give that to him. Yeah, for sure. I, I think, you know, they drafted Aiden Hutchinson, I think, with the second pick or the third pick or something like that out of Michigan. And he's he's an elite edge rusher. Um, so I think, you know, you add him and Josh Pascal in the same draft, you right there, you've got your future when it comes to edge rushers. And when it, when it, I mean, P- Pascal probably projects to be more of a defensive end, defensive tackle hybrid. But I, I think that, you know, that bolsters your defensive line so much. And I think the, the Lions are getting a lot better by making picks like that and picking guys like Josh who fit that culture culture uh, of you know put your head down and work so I like that fit a lot for Josh and he, he's you know he you know, like you said he fought through cancer and and he kind of just ended up terrorizing the SEC for for years so I, I really hope the best for him I'm be watching his career closely so looking at some of the guys who are already in the league and who have kind of uh, produced a little bit. I know we talked a little about about Josh Allen and Lynn Bowden and, you know, Benny Snell is stuck on the bench in Pittsburgh. He's going to have to get out of there because Najee Harris is their future at the running back position. So hopefully Benny can find a place where he's going to get more run. Uh, I just don't think he'll ever be a starter there with Najee Harris there. Um, and then um, 
Randall Cobb, uh, you know, he plays for my Green Bay Packers and he kind of re- rejuvenized his NFL career over there, um, you know, teaming back up with Aaron Rodgers. He had a pretty decent season as a, uh, you know, as an option for him. So, you know, what do you think about some of those guys and, and kind of how they're, I mean, Randall Cobb's getting on the older side, but he might end up being like the one, number one or number two option for the Packers because Devontae Adams left. Yeah, personally, Cobb, when he went back to the Packers, I wasn't shocked. He he did a lot for him, and he's going to do a lot more for him. The players I wanted to look at, and two of them are on the same team, um, Phil Hoskins, Marquand McCall, and then Quentin Bohanna. Those were all three big defensive tackles for us that are all in the league, and I think Justin Rogers is up next. So, I mean, if you see what we're doing with these defensive tackles, if you're – a big time defensive tackle. I don't see how you don't consider Kentucky. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, where did Marquand end up? Marquand's uh, Marquand and Phil are both on the Panthers, both on the Panthers. Yeah. That's, I mean, I know Hoskins, I was actually kind of surprised that he got drafted and I was kind of surprised that he actually got to play for the Panthers last year. I never really saw him as a, as a, I mean, he was great for us, but he was really old on the older side. And I just never really saw him as an NFL guy, but he, I mean, the, the times that he, I think he had a sack this year and in, in his, you know, rookie season. So seeing a guy like Phil contribute, we know Marquand is just, you know, how, how important he is as a nose guard on that defensive side. And uh, then Quentin Bohanna, you know, I know the Cowboys are super high on him and I can't believe we forgot about Kelvin Joseph on that, on that Cowboys defense. We're kind of waiting to see what's going on with this. I don't know if you saw the, the, you know, stuff he's involved in with that uh, shooting that happened in Dallas and stuff. We don't know what his involvement is, but hopefully he, he wasn't the shooter, but he might've been in the vehicle. That's the story. And in that, in that case, hopefully he doesn't get, you know, taken, you know, hopefully he doesn't catch any like accomplice charges or accessory charges, but hopefully he's all good. I, I think the, the, the idea is that he's fine. You know, he's not going to get charged with anything. So Mobley ended up in Dallas too. Yeah, and I know Terry Wilson is in a has a mini camp invite for Dallas, so Dallas might end up being Kentucky Junior if they you know get all <laughs> these guys on there. But Quandre is another dude. Like I hope he makes it, but I never, I don't really, I never really thought he would even get a chance. So it's I, I hope he does. Like that would be pretty cool. Quandre didn't he? He had a pick six towards the end of the season, didn't he? Yeah, he did. I think yeah. against. I was it? It wasn't Tennessee, was it? No. No, I think it was Missouri. No, that was earlier in the season. I don't know. He did have a pick six towards the end of the year. It, it was against one of those like not great teams. I think it was. Uh, uh, it was one of those bad teams. New Mexico. New Mexico. Yeah, 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 yeah. He had that pick six against New Mexico. Yeah, I like Quandre, but he was kind of like a tweener. He was a guy who was like not even really a full time starter until the end of the, of the last year. So I think he's got a good build and stuff. So I hope he can make it, but. Kelvin Kelvin had a solid rookie season for them. He he got some starting minutes or some starting games at the end of the season, and I was uh, very excited for him to maybe break out as one of their you know he, as their second best corner next to Diggs. So I hope uh, I hope he's not gonna get in trouble for any of that stuff. Hopefully he can reach his potential with Dallas. Yeah, Joseph. If everything clears and he's able to you know play full time again, I think him and Diggs are a great one two punch. I mean, it does. Isn't Joseph a little bit shorter than Diggs? Yeah, I think so. I think Joseph's like six one, and Diggs is like six two or six three. Yeah, I mean, if Joseph was the same height, that's just like two like 
I wouldn't say Revis Island. So that's like two islands you probably don't want to throw to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was kind of surprised that um that he didn't land or that he didn't get any picks because he was in position for a couple picks. I remember seeing a couple of highlights of his deflections and stuff that he could have honestly intercepted. So, um, hopefully, you know he he's all good for the future and he can continue to grow because I think he's going to be a really good player for them. And then uh, we were talking about Lonnie Johnson. I know he's one of your favorites. Uh, he he played a little out of position for the Texans. They had him at safety. He's more of a corner, and he kind of like forced his way out of Houston and uh, ended up on the Chiefs. So him and Darian Kennard are going to be on the Chiefs together. How do you feel about that fit? I think they're planning on playing him more at the pure corner where he belongs. I think that's a great move for him. Just with Lonnie's length, I just feel like he's a prototypical NFL corner. I forgot how tall he is, but he's like – He's like 6'3". 6'3"? I thought he was taller. 6'3", Gotcha. But I know his arms are long. Like he, he'll make it with the Chiefs, and to go from the Texans – to the Chiefs, which is like competing for a Super Bowl every year. If Lonnie can have a few years of success, he might be in line for a big contract. Right, and I think he was one of the few bright spots on that Texans defense. Like, he was pretty good for them, even though he was playing out of position. Like, he is a corner. They had him at safety, and I think that's kind of why he forced his way out because he, he didn't doesn't see himself as a safety. But uh, I, I really like Lonnie's fit with the Chiefs, and I, I can't wait to see – you know how he ends up playing but things are getting things are getting real nice for for Kentucky players in the league you know we're starting to see more and more starters you know for a while it was just guys who were who were just kind of rotation guys off the bench and now you've got starters the Darius Smith with the Vikings will be will be a starter on that defensive line but Dupree if he can stay healthy with the Titans he'll be a starter on that defensive line as an edge rusher so you know seeing guys Jamin Davis played yeah. freshman how we forget about him yeah, he played his freshman or rookie season with uh, with Washington this year, and fr- from what I've read, you know, I didn't really catch any games. I, I he kind of struggled a little bit. You know, they 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 didn't really see what they needed to see out of him. But I don't think he had a bad year. I think he's just still developing, and you know, he's more of a project piece for the future. But I, I think Jamin will be a, a long term NBA pl- or NFL player as well. Yeah, Jamin at that linebacker position. I know it was up in the air if he would have come back to Kentucky or not. But apparently, uh, reaching out to teams and stuff, they told him they were going to take him in the first round. Mm-hmm. And so, Jamin's with the uh, Commanders. The one thing I wanted to look at, my favorite, one of my favorite DBs of the Stoops era, Chris Westry. Mm-hmm. Is he still with Baltimore? He's with the Panthers. Panthers? Oh, yeah. wow. I just, Westry, every time you watch him, he just played with that fierce and grit, like, Obviously, all these players love to be out there on the field. They're in the NFL. But Westry loved to be out there, just jamming mm-hmm. dudes off the line, pick after pick. Well, I don't know if pick after pick, but I just, yeah, love, watching, yeah, I just love watching Westry at Kentucky. And he's he's probably the lankiest DB we've had. Like, he was just – I think he's the tallest DB we've had. He's like 6'5", you know, super long arms. And, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to see him. I know he was with the Ravens, but then he got hurt. So I didn't even, I didn't know he ended up with the Panthers. But if that's the case, then what, Hoskins, McCall, and Westry are all on that Panthers defense? That's, you know, those are all guys who might contribute for them. So I, I like I mean, that. The Cowboys have three Kentucky players, too, in Bohanna, Joseph, and Mosley. Yeah. And I was sad that my Packers let Zadarius Smith walk because we had I had him on the defensive side and I had Cobb on the offensive side to watch, and now – it's just Cobb, so I'm kind of sad. We about let that. him go from Green Bay to the Vikings. Isn't that like a divisional? That's, yeah, that'd be like <laughs> us losing a transfer to Louisville or something. <laughs> like campaign. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I I don't know. I uh I'm kind of sad about losing Zadarius, you know, as a Packers fan. We we kind of chose Preston Smith over Zadarius Smith, which is mind-boggling, but um yeah, you know, I I'm I'm excited for the future of these guys in the NFL. I'm excited for, you know, the 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 standard we're starting to set with these dudes. I think, you know, next season we're going to see plenty of guys as well. Lil, will Levis will probably end up being the first Kentucky quarterback taken in a draft since Andre Woodson, which would be massive. So, I love seeing, you know, it seems like we're starting to become more of an NFL factory, which I love because, you know, I want to see these guys at the next level. Um, so I'm excited to see, you know, kind of how, how this turns out for us. There's one more name. How do we not bring up Mike Edwards? Possibly the best best DB under suits. Oh my goodness, man. Like I said, you know, it's, it was kind of with the NBA. It's like, we, there's so many names. It's kind of hard, but yeah, he's, I mean, he had two pick sixes, I think this year for the bucks. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think he still is kind of a rotational guy. I don't think he's a, he's like a legit starter yet, but he's definitely very important to that Tampa Bay defense. So yeah, Mike Edwards, man, he's he's another name, and hopefully he can continue to improve and maybe be a, a starter eventually. Yeah, I just I always love watching Mike Edwards, and if I'm not mistaken, isn't he from the state of Kentucky? I don't know. I'm I'm honestly not sure. I I, I thought he was Ohio, an Ohio native, but mm-hmm. maybe there's someone in the NFL that's from Paducah. Yeah, he's from Cincinnati, Ohio. Okay, There's someone yeah. in the NFL from Kentucky that's from Paducah. Isn't but, Bud Dupree from Kentucky? <laughs> but yes, yeah, it's just hard to it's hard to remember. But I thought Bud Dupree was from Kentucky. Maybe not. I don't know. But now nah, he's uh, from Irwinton, Georgia. Oh, okay. What no, I'm thinking of Ryan Timmons. He was from Paducah, Kentucky, and then now he's I think a free agent. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. I don't. I don't know of any like Kentucky-born guys in the NFL right now. I'm sure there are. I know Damian Harris from Alabama. He's from Kentucky. He's the running back for the Patriots. There's a tackle for Alabama from uh, Glasgow, which is right next Jed- to – Was it Jedrick Wills? No. Uh, Wills played at, like, Lexington Catholic, I think, somewhere okay. like that. This is uh, Tanner Bowles. He was, like, a five-star tackle from Glasgow. Oh, school. he's at Alabama right now. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. There's I remember – uh, Frederick Douglass, he's at Clemson. Uh, the tackle opposite of Burton, I think, two, three years ago. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, there, it, it's it's sad that some of these uh, top-notch Kentucky in-state recruits have decided to go somewhere else. But, I mean, we've done a great job of recruiting in-state, but I just wish yeah. some of these guys had, in, like, Damian Harris. But if Damian Harris had come to Kentucky, Benny Snell maybe wouldn't have had his, his resurgence, so – um, but anyway, that's that's our recap on um, the NFL guys and and those um, you know kind of the dudes who are in the league and kind of touching on the guys who just got drafted. Um, but now moving on to like our final like topic, uh, Ryan Howard, the former Kentucky women's basketball superstar, is absolutely killing it in the WNBA. Um, we'll have you read read the stats here in a second, but she has just been. I've been watching the Atlanta Dream post her her highlights on on Twitter and stuff. And she just looks so comfortable out there. I honestly think that her game is better suited for the pros than it was in college. She was obviously great in college, one of the best players we've ever seen at the college level. But she just she's allowed to free flow at the WNBA level. Um, she's hitting her three. She's hitting step back. She's blocking shots. Like she's just playing so well. Uh, so you know, how are you feeling about Ryan right now? I'm loving it. Uh, I remember everyone was talking about Aaliyah Boston from South Carolina going number one overall. 
And there was rumblings early in the season that Ryan Howard might go number one. And I remember, I forget, maybe I was in like a chemistry, the lecture, and then I come out and I see Ryan Howard, number one overall pick. Mm-hmm. And I was just ecstatic because now, granted, I don't watch the WNBA a lot. I'm a Hawks and a Falcons fan. So if I claim the dream, I mean, Ryan Howard's on my team. Right. Yeah. No, I mean, and I think Ryan Howard is actually the only active women's basketball player from Kentucky to be in the WNBA. So, you know, consider me a dream fan as well, because I want to see her. I want to see her do well. And I'm so glad like she's already one of the best players in the league. She's a rookie. She's played five games and she's already like one of the most she's already one of the best players in the league. And uh, do you have her stats? Yeah. um, Through five games. Keep in mind, five games as a rookie. She's averaging 30 and a half minutes, 20 points, five rebounds, two assists, one and a half steals, one blocks, only one turnover. And the thing that shocks me, so she's 43.7 from the field goal percentage. Her three-point percentage is 46. Mm. 46 through five yeah. games. She's basically hitting half her threes. Dang. Yeah, that's that's crazy. And I think she's taking a lot of threes as well from what I've seen. She's been hitting a lot of those step backs and a lot of those, you know, coming off the screens. Well, and like the, one of the last games at Kentucky, she went like – seven for nine or something like that yeah she's a sniper she's a sniper she's her ability to create her own shot i feel like is not something you see much at that level um you know so seeing her at the WNBA level doing what she's got to do is great i think we know how good she is watching her at kentucky but i feel like people she kind of flew under the radar because we weren't a top-notch women's basketball program so it's like if she was at uconn or something or south carolina i feel like she would have had a lot more fanfare of people talking about her um but you know she just quietly killed it at kentucky you know was a, a an all-american at kentucky and then you know the number one overall pick and i'm just so happy that she's killing it in the WNBA and she's doing what she's got to do um so hopefully she has a long you know successful career in that league you know maybe she's got some mvps in her future um so very very happy for ryan and very excited to see what she can do so moving that uh, into kind of we're going to give our top five UK women's players in our first episode of this podcast. We gave our top five men's basketball players. And then in the second episode, we gave our top five Kentucky football players. So now continuing that trend, um, we're going to give our top five UK women's basketball players, just kind of our favorite players uh, in from that program. So you go ahead and you go first. Who, who's your uh, top five? So my top five. Uh, so I've been keeping up with the women's team for only a few years compared to the men's team. But um, Epps, was it Michaela Epps? And yep. then Macy Morris are on there. And then Gianna Edwards, she's a dog. I love watching her. It sucks she's at Baylor now, but she was a dog on the court. And then obviously Ryan Howard has to be in there. Right. I had four, and then I was looking for the fifth. I couldn't find a fifth in time. <laughs> oh, no, you're good. Um. Yeah, I mean, that's a good list. Uh, I've kind of been watching the women's team a little bit longer. Uh, You know, I haven't really – it's not been like watching every single game and stuff, but, you know, I have, you know, kept up with it pretty closely and and some of these players. So uh, my number one all-time favorite women's basketball player at Kentucky is Macy Morris, without a doubt. I just – she's the best shooter. I mean, she was so good at shooting. There was a point where I was hoping she'd go teach the men's team how to shoot because she is just (laughs) such a great shooter, like easily the best shooter we've had. Um, so I love Macy. I'm, I'm glad she got to you know be a star for four years. Um, and then Ryan Howard, obviously, you know, she's probably the best player we've ever had, at least, you know, in recent memory. She was incredible. Um, Michaela Epps is number three for me. She was basically Ryan Howard before Ryan Howard. 
Um, you know, she was that dominant player who could just create and do what she had to do. So uh, Macy Morris, Ryan Howard, Michaela Epps. Number four is Taylor Murray. She was like the point guard on those Macy Morris teams. Super fast, good defender, very undersized. I think she was like literally like five one or five two. She was very small, um, but she was you know she could shoot, she could get to the rim. She was super quick. She was a great defender. So Taylor Murray's up there. And then I kind of got an OG throwback of a point guard that I remember watching uh, you know a few years ago named Jennifer O'Neill. And she was really good as well. She was she was very similar to Taylor Murray, a very undersized point guard who could shoot and you know get to the rim and play good defense. So Macy Morris, Ryan Howard, Michaela Epps, Taylor Murray, Jennifer O'Neill is my top five UK women's basketball players. Um, we've got some good players coming in. I'm very excited for next year. I think you know players like Maddie Schur and um, you know Cassidy Rowe, like players like that, I think have an opportunity to to kind of make my list uh, when it's all said and done because I think they'll be really good. So what I've been thinking about since you talked about Howard, do you think Howard played a role in us getting sure from Oregon? I, th- I think that had to have happened. It's possible. I mean, she might have seen, you know, what what how how Howard was utilized. Maybe she sees herself as a similar player. And, you know, they were both very highly rated guy, uh, players. And, you know, I, I think um, – Maddie could could see herself in that Ryan Howard role. And I, I think we on the on the episode where we kind of talked about the women's team a little bit, I think I, I kind of mentioned how she might be able to slide into that Ryan Howard spot as that creative guard who who has a lot of potential and a lot of star power. So, yeah, I think I think that definitely helped. And I think Ryan leaving and opening that spot is kind of probably the, the primary reason we got Maddie back. Yeah, that's that's what I've been thinking. But then, um, yeah, the women's team, you got Cassidy Rowe, Jenkins, Adai, Russell, and Petty, like all them coming in. So the women's team's on a great trajectory right now. Yeah, man, I can't wait. Um, and like I said, I think there's a couple girls on that squad who who might end up making my all-time list by the end of by the end of the season because I just really like the trajectory, and I, I can't wait to see what Kyra Elsey can do, you know, with that program. So. Um, yeah, I think that's all for the topics today. Uh, you know, we got to cover uh, the recapping kind of how the pros are doing in the NFL and NBA for for Kentucky players. You know, we're starting to we're, we're really blessed with how many players there are in both sports, uh, you know, go into the pros and we get to watch them. So I, I'm, I'm happy about that. And then, you know, getting to touch on Ryan Howard and, and the women's uh, players. Yeah, I just think um, when you look at who he's bought in recently in this uh, football recruiting class and then the uh, NBA, well, NBA, but um, future Kentucky Wildcats to go to the NBA, like I think Toppin will go there. Uh, Wallace, I think, will make it. You got Livingston coming in. There's just so many recruits on both sides that or both sports that could go to pro. And I think this is, especially with the football team, I think this is the most, like, NFL talent we've had on a team before. You know, Will Levis is an NFL talent quarterback. Chris Rodriguez and maybe even a couple more of those running backs could eventually find their way to the NFL eventually. Guys like Barry on Brown, Javon Baker, uh, even Tavion Robinson, those types of guys might end up finding their way uh, on an NFL roster. And then, you know, of course, the O-line, we always have, we're always pumping out NFL caliber of offensive linemen. And then that defense, man, I mean, the Wade twins are going to be really good eventually. Uh, Tyrese Fearbury, um, you know, Jordan Lovett, you know, some of those guys that are going to be NFL players for most likely Vito Tisdale and guys like that. I hope Lovett makes it. I could say I played on the same field as an NFL player. <laughs> oh, yeah. You played with Lovett? 
No, I played uh, – he went to North Harden. Obviously, he was recruited out of there, and then I went to the rival Central Harden. So. Okay, okay. Yeah, so love it. Love it. I definitely can see love it as a, as a potential – like I kind of see him as a Yusuf Corker clone. Not a clone, obviously. They're, they're different in different ways, but I could see him replacing Yusuf Corker. And, man, we didn't touch on Corker either. He got signed by the Giants. Yeah. Free agent. I think that he could definitely find a, a role with the Giants, man. I think he's really good. I think Corker, he's a little bit undersized, wasn't he? I don't think so. He's like 6'1", 6'2". I mean, he's pretty good for a safety. Gotcha. I was going to make the comparison to Robinson, but I didn't know he was that tall. I thought he was a little bit shorter. Yeah, he's – he's. Like, I think so. But he's also, like, really built. Like, he's huge. Like, he, I remember seeing pictures of him, like, flexing and stuff. Like, dude looks like he could rip people open. So He laid the wood this year a few times. Do what? He laid the wood this year a few times. Just oh, like He's the definition of a headhunter, and I think he uh, in the in the early Giants camp he intercepted a pass yesterday, yeah, um, which was good. So I think I think Yusuf's one of those undrafted guys who could really. I can't believe he didn't get drafted. I mean, he was he was an All SEC safety. Like I don't know how he didn't get drafted. Yeah, he should have been drafted. Yeah, well, anyway, that's uh, that's pretty much it for today's episode. You know, a nice nice lengthy episode again. You know, a good conversation. This has been going really well. Like I said, I keep saying it every episode, but uh, the viewership is is going up. We're up to let's see, we are up to three hundred and ten unique listeners on the podcast. Ooh, so three hundred and ten different people have viewed at least one of these episodes. So we're only on episode four, and this is going really really well. Um, so people seem to be enjoying it. We can continue pushing this forward. Um, so Laren, thanks once again, my man. This is a uh, been fun i really appreciate having you as my co-host yeah i'm glad this came to fruition and it's no longer just a thought yeah we finally materialized it and i'm glad yep. uh you know we both got the webcams now you know things are starting to get more set up it's starting to get more fluid and and just need uh, to fix the background a little bit but yeah I got <laughs> no you're good you're good um so all right uh bbn thank you guys for listening um uh, be sure to, you know, catch us on Twitter and stuff and, and TikTok and everything and make sure, you know, Laren's at is on his screen and my ad is on my screen. So if you guys, you know, want to follow us at Kentucky Cavalry and at Laren DG on Twitter. Um, but yeah. So thank you guys for listening and we'll catch you in the next one. Go Cats. Go Cats. <laughs>